John chapter number 4. If you found your place and you're able to, let's stand together for the reading of the Word of God. John chapter 4, we're going to begin in verse number 30 and just read down through verse number 38. John 4, verse number 30. Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. And he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, Lift up, on your, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit unto eternal life, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereupon, whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored and ye are entered into their labors. I want us to come back and look at this in verse number 35, where he said, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And I want to preach on this subject matter this morning on having an outward look. Having an outward look. Let's have a word of prayer, and then you can be seated. Father, we love you. Lord, what a great honor and privilege it is that comes with an awesome responsibility that you've entrusted us with the message of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I pray that in our hearts and in the life of our church that we would take that seriously, that we would understand the gravity of this responsibility that you've entrusted us with. And Lord, I pray that we would have our eyes on an outward look at those that are around us as we see here in John chapter 4. Lord, would you encourage us this morning and challenge us with this subject matter. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You may be seated. An outward look, as the Lord Jesus Christ said in verse number 5, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now there's several things, and just to set the context of the scripture that's here, I love what takes place in John chapter number 4 as the Lord Jesus Christ goes through Samaria and he meets this one woman that's at the well and this Samaritan woman who he then goes into this discourse and this explaining of the worshiping of God Almighty. I'm thankful that even in the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ and We're told at the beginning of John that he came unto his own and his own received him not. The Jewish nation had rejected him as their Messiah. And Jesus goes through Samaria on his travels because there was a woman there that needed to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they have this wonderful discourse about worship 
how their fathers would say worship in this mountain and that Jerusalem's the place where men ought to worship. And, and Jesus is saying that if you would drink of the water of life freely that I give to you, you would never thirst again. And how many are thankful today that Jesus satisfies the soul? I'm thankful for that. No matter what you're searching for, no matter what you're longing for, I'm thankful that Jesus satisfies and I'm satisfied with Jesus. I'll say this, in my relationship with the Lord Jesus, there has never been a time that I've been dissatisfied and said, Lord, well, maybe I'm going to go search out something else as far as a relationship or religion to be able to participate or make part of my life. I have heard it the other direction. I've talked with some people, and this would be true, especially inside of prison ministry, that you get in there and they say, well, I've studied every religion that there is. And I'm like, we haven't been in there that long to study these thousands of them that are out there. But they start rattling off all of these religions that they've studied and that they've been a part of, and I'm saying, if you just get to Jesus, because the reason they went from religion to religion and method of study to method of study is because they weren't satisfied. It did not fill that void that was in their life, and they continued to jump around. But can I say this? I've never heard it on the reverse side of it. That they've been with Jesus and then said, oh, but I've got something that's lacking in my life and I need to go and jump over here to that. Never had it that way. Jesus said, you'll never thirst. I've never had that desire that I'm going to go join such and such a religion just to be able to see if they're right. No, I've got the word of God. I know the Bible's right this morning. And so as we come down through and understand, and that's really not what I'm preaching on, just figured I need to throw that out there for us this morning. Jesus satisfies the longing soul. And if you're here today and you're looking for anything, can I say that Jesus is the answer for it? But we come here to John chapter 4, and he moves beyond this this, uh, conversation that has taken place with this woman at the well, this Samaritan woman, because his disciples come. They had gone into the city, by the way, to get him something to eat. And they bring the food out there, and then Jesus begins to have this conversation with his disciples because Jesus said to him, I have meat to eat of that ye know not of. Well, they start thinking, well, somebody else brought him lunch. That's what they're thinking. And he's saying, no, there's, there's something a whole lot bigger than just a physical meal that Jesus was partaking of that day. And he begins to teach his disciples in this passage of Scripture. He's saying, listen, say not ye there are yet four months. And then cometh the harvest. It's amazing how many times throughout the scripture that God uses the sowing and the reaping and the harvest as an illustration down through here. He says, say not yet, there are four months. And the reason he was saying, lift up your eyes and look on the fields is because at that point, his disciples were more concerned and more concentrated on physical well-being than they were on spiritual well-being of those that were around him. 
And I want us to look at this subject matter of having an outward look, because if we are not careful, even as God's people in the year 20 and 22, we'll get to the point that we get more concentrated on the physical things of this world and having an inward perspective instead of an outward perspective. In other words, we'll spend the time thinking about me, myself, and I. And how many of you, those are your three favorite people to be able to think of? They're mine. Hey, the Bible tells us that. Okay, love thy neighbor as thyself. He knows we're going to think about ourselves. Our three favorite people, me, myself, and I. But yet, the mission of the church is not to have an inward perspective. The mission of the church is not to say, okay, can we gather ours here and nobody else? But what the mission of the church is, is the same thing that was said here, to be able to lift up our eyes and to be able to look on the fields, to be able to have an outward look that is looking at those that are around us. And I want to share a few things as we come down through here. First of all, this outward look as a church has to be an intentional look. An intentional look. You say, what do you mean intentional? Do you understand that you do not lift up your eyes and look unless you are meaning to? Now, when we're understanding that this is in a spiritual sense that he's explaining it to us, we'll get back to the physical conditions that were taking place here in just a moment. But we do not lift up our eyes. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm talking about people. I'm talking about seeing souls saved. I've never had people just walk up to me and start begging and knocking on the door when we show up on Sunday mornings here at the church and they're lined up the driveway saying, I just need to hear about Jesus today. No, it's not. Do you know, in fact, there's no place in the Bible that even commands the lost people to come to the church? If we are going to get the gospel to those that are around us, it is going to have to be intentionally that we are thinking about it on a regular basis. We're starting next week, and yes, this is on purpose, the message that we're preaching on having an outward look. Listen. You cannot just keep a gospel track in your car and someone's going to come up and ask you and say, do you have information about Jesus that you can give to me today? Well, by chance I do. I've got a gospel track right here in my car. Wouldn't that be wonderful if everywhere you went, they walked up to you and said, can you tell me about Jesus? Do you have information about your church? I see the smile on your face. I see how courteous and polite that you are. I hear you singing and whispering. Uh, whistling and you've got a, a wonderful disposition. You must be a Christian. Can you tell me about that? I have found it on the other side of it that you walk through a store whistling and it's almost like people are looking at you saying, what's wrong with you? I'll whistle going through a store and, and that's not my church folks. I'll sing going through a store and I'm singing to myself and I'm enjoying walking through because if I don't, because I hate shopping that much, okay? I have to do something to be able to balance it out, but I'll whistle, I'll sing through the, through, through the store to myself as I'm going through. Nobody ever walked up to me and said, you must be a Christian. Please tell me about Jesus. I have found out this, that if I'm not thinking about Jesus, I'm not going to talk to anybody else about him. 
I have found out that if I'm not thinking that they have a soul that's going to be lost for all of eternity, then I'm not going to tell anybody else about Jesus. It's got to be intentional. I also see this in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ back at the beginning of chapter number 4. In verse number 4, it says, And he must needs go through Samaria. Must needs go through Samaria. You say, why is that? Well, the Jews usually didn't go through Samaria. They were so prejudiced and racist against the the Samaritan people. They would go all the way around that portion of land as to not walk through that. But when it came time for Jesus, he said, I must needs go through Samaria. You know why I believe that was? Because I believe he knew that there was going to be a woman that was at the well that day and he intentionally went to be able to meet her, to be able to tell her about the living water. Now listen, intentionally making an appointment to be able to tell someone about Jesus. Hey, when's the last time you walked around in a certain area just for an opportunity maybe to be able to give someone a gospel track? That you hung around somewhere to be able to say, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. I've been waiting all day for you. Now, if you're intentionally looking, that would be a true statement. If we get up in the morning and said, God, would you give me someone that I could lift up my eyes and I could look and we're intentionally praying, saying, God, would you put someone in my path today that I may be able to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ with? What is unfortunate in churches just like ours today is that we will sit in church week after week after week, but then not intentionally be praying and asking the Lord, God, would you give me someone to witness to today? I remember it was a few years back now that Brother Bruce was brought to the hospital down here in Concord and we walked in there and I don't know he I don't I don't know what pain medication they gave to him. I know he was in his right spiritual mind as he came in there, but I'll say this, every person that came in, and here's what was said, they sent him home afterwards, there wasn't a whole lot going on, they sent him home, but here was the statement, maybe God put me there just to be able to talk to those people today. That nurse would come in there and check, and he'd say, do you know Jesus? And be able to start talking to them. Hey, that challenged and encouraged me. Sometimes we get so focused on what is going on in our lives, we forget that there's souls around us that need the gospel. Intentionally. Listen, if we do not plan on doing it, then we're not going to do it. How many ever heard the statement, plan your work and work your plan? Some of us are real good at planning. Some of us are real good at having ideas. And boy, we can come up with a hundred of them. Hey, we ought to do this and we ought to do that. And why don't we go down here and why don't we go down there? Then they sit at the house for the rest of the week. And I'm saying, hey, why don't you go down there? Why don't you get up and why don't you go? You got this two hours. You got this hour. Go do something. We're good at planning to work, but not working our plan. It's got to be intentional. 
And we see this in order for us to lift up our eyes and to be able to look on the fields. Listen, it has to be intentional. When we go into this and we're trying to get the gospel to as many people around us as we possibly can, listen, we have to plan on it. That means you have to have gospel tracks in your car. You have to have them in your purse. You have to have them in your shirt pocket. You have to have them everywhere around you to be able to say, hey, can I give you something to tell you about Jesus? I've started using that as my, I don't have a regular business card. I've started using our gospel tracks as my card. Someone will say, hey, do you have a card on you? Hey, I sure do. You've been with me in drug court. Okay, we start looking at it. I, I just make sure my name's on there. And I, I, sometimes I'll put my cell phone number on there. I said, here's my information. One of the first meetings we ever walked into for the city uh, dealing with this building originally downstairs for the planning. We walked in there and I had a pocket full of gospel tracks. And uh, I think they were doing the architectural design review, whatever it was that I actually got to talk to them and be able to tell them who we were and what was going on. And then I walked around that entire boardroom table uh, that was in there and say, hey, here's my card and my information if you need it. Everyone, and I gave it to them backwards and uh, every one of them was a gospel track with my name and, and had the gospel inside. One of them took it and turned around and said, I see what you did there. <laughs> I said, well, just intentionally, listen, let's start thinking about it. I remember the days, and, and I don't know if you still write a checkout and mail it in with your bills. Most of it's done online, but some will still write out a check. They're paper things like this connected to your bank. And, uh, but they'll actually write out a check and mail their, their bill and their payment back in there. And I don't know how many times I'd see my mom sit down and she'd write out that check and she'd put it in that envelope and then she'd grab one of the church gospel tracks and be able to slide it inside there and seal that envelope and be able to mail that off and send gospel tracks all across our nation. You say, why'd she do that? Because she was thinking about it. You're not going to do a thing you're not thinking about. And Jesus is encouraging his disciples to lift up your eyes. Now, second of all, and here's where I want to spend a little bit of time, is identifying the fields. Identifying, because here's what he said. He said, say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. As I look down through here and I understand the statement of these look on the fields, they are white already to harvest. In other words, it was just about past time for that harvest to be taking place. You say, well, around that area, he would probably be looking at the wheat harvest that was supposed to be taking place. And very possibly so. And they would understand that statement, the white already to harvest. In fact, before I get into identifying the fields, there was a source that was quoted from Kansas State University that the number one cause, if you go back and look, and their study that was put out about why would the wheat harvest be white. And their first statement that is made and their first reason is this, premature dying premature dying. 
And when Jesus was saying, look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. In other words, that crop was dying on the stem. But I don't believe he was looking at a wheat harvest at that exact moment. Because come back and look with me in the first verse that we read right there. Verse number 30 says this, Then they went out of the city and came unto him. Who is the they? It is not the disciples that was being spoken of, but look what it says in verse number 28. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city. You know what I believe was happening? Because the next verse talks about the many and multitude of the Samaritans that came out of the city to be able to hear Jesus. I believe what was taking place is simple as this. I believe Jesus was left there by that well by himself because the woman went back into the city. I believe the disciples came and they found him sitting there and they're trying to feed Jesus. They're trying to give him lunch. And he's saying, listen, I've got meat to eat of that ye know not of. I'm here to finish my father's business. In other words, hey, I'm after souls. And then he told them, say not ye there yet four months. He said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields. I believe that this group and multitude of men of souls that were coming out of that city were coming towards Jesus and what Jesus was trying to get his disciples to do was to lift up their eyes. Look, hey, it's not about this physical stuff that we have right here, but would you look at the field out there? Would you look at those people that are coming? In fact, they're white already to harvest. They are dying by the groves out there. And would you lift up your eyes and look on the fields? Identify in the fields. Listen, he's not talking about us going over there and being able to cut down the wheat and being able to put it into sheaves and to be able to bring it into the barns. But he is saying, listen, look on the fields. Look on the fields of the multitudes. Look on the fields of the people that are all around us. Listen, it is the people that Jesus is interested in. And can I remind us here at Granite State, listen, I believe we ought to be doing everything we can do to go after people. Wherever they are. You say, well, where are they? I'm glad you asked. They might be your neighbor. And I, I know we're independent, live free or die. When's the last time you actually talked to your neighbor? You say, oh, I don't even see my neighbor. Hey, remember what I told you? It's going to have to be intentional. Make a way to be able to talk to them, to be able to tell them about Jesus. Hey, what about your coworkers? Oh, no, when I get done, I'm done being there at that job. I just want to be able to get home, and I, I just want to be done with that place. I told you it's going to have to be intentional. Making and looking for an opportunity to be able to talk to someone about Jesus. Might be your neighbor, might be your coworkers. How about your family? I don't know, Pastor, you've just gone too far on that. Now, can I say this? And, and listen, I know 
They're some of the toughest ones you'll ever talk to. And some are to the point now, and I get this, some have come and asked this question, what do you do when you get to the point that they say, hey, don't you say another word to me about it? I said, you know what you do at that point? You've told them. Now you just get to praying and ask the Holy Spirit of God to be convicting their hearts and be able to do something. There comes a point that they say, hey, I don't want to hear it anymore. Don't you say another word or it's going to break our relationship off. Hey, listen, Holy Spirit of God can do a whole lot more than what we can with our words. But we've got to tell them in the first place. Might be our family. All right, so let's get personal around the church here. Hey, it might be a drug court. You say, oh, pastor, I don't think we ought to be going after that crowd down there. I think we do. I think they're worth it. I think they have a soul that the Lord Jesus Christ died for. Hey, I'm just talking about areas that this is what God has been causing me to lift up my eyes and be able to see all around us that when we walk in there, hey, I had a young lady on the way out on Monday that just intentionally she stopped and made sure to catch my eye and said, so how have you been lately? I said, boy, I'm doing well and called her by name. I said, hey, let me tell you what we're doing here and took out an invite and uh, invited her to be able to come to Friday nights and just be able to have that opportunity and that open door. Hey, what if we were too busy just focusing on ourselves at that point? intentionally being able to talk you say oh but that crowd yeah okay so you go to your millionaires they need the gospel too they need to hear about jesus oh no they're good people no they need jesus what about the police officers you say i want nothing to do with them when's the last time we stopped Not that they stopped us. I'm talking about when's the last time we stopped and actually intentionally walked up to them and said, hey, I want to thank you for serving our community. I I go to such and such Granite State Baptist Church and here's an invitation to our church and I want you to know we're praying for you and we're behind you and we're supporting you and we're for you intentionally. What about our police? Hey, just the past few weeks, the correctional officers... Do you understand that what took place during that correctional officer appreciation week that they were able to receive a gospel track outside of them being a prison officer, they may have never come in contact with our church. But I'm so thankful for the burden. Hey, just lifting up our eyes and looking on the field saying, here's a corner of the field that we haven't even started reaching yet and saying, let's go after them. Do you understand what was taking place back in Jesus' time? Listen, the Samaritans were not being reached. No one was taking the gospel to him. And it's almost like Jesus said, hey, I got a corner on the market. I can go through there and nobody's reaching them. When we moved up here to start the church, at that point, the statistic came out and said on average about 22 to 24% of all the citizens of New Hampshire went to any type of church at least once a month. One of the least church, least churched uh, states in our nation goes back and forth. It used to be out west. It used to be California and Seattle and Oregon, and they're still unchurched out there. But can I say we've actually surpassed out west? And we're the least church. And someone told me this, another pastor, he said, why would I want to be anywhere else? 
Then right up here in New England, he said, because even the smallest light shines the brightest in the darkest night. Why wouldn't we want to be in the least church area? Hey, I'd go start a church in Cleveland, Tennessee, but there's about 20 more of them down there. And I said, hey, we're getting to a place. We get to talk to people. They don't even know who Adam and Eve are. They don't even know the story of Noah's Ark. They don't know about David and Goliath. And we get to tell them all of that brand new, right from the beginning. And I thought it's just a corner of the field. And what Jesus was saying, hey, here's a Samaritan woman. Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. Hey, what about the deputies? We've walked into the, the courthouse down here. I just had a deputy pull me aside this past week. He said, hey, step over here. And we stepped over around the corner, filled me in on something that was taking place. He said, I knew you'd want to know that in order to be able to pray for him and minister to him. Hey, I thought, what if we weren't walking in there? What if we said, oh, that field doesn't matter? No, identifying the fields all around us. Hey, what about the children all around Concord? You know what's getting ready to take place? School's about to let out for the next three months. Do you know how many kids are just going to be running around our city with no parental supervision? They're going to be running around. Hey, them parents are going to go off to work in the morning. They'll come back and, and they might see their kids before they go to bed at night. And they've been running out all over the place. Hey, who's going to reach them and tell them about Jesus? Or are they just going to grow up and get to a certain age, 10, 11, 12 years old, and start realizing they can get in trouble with what they're doing? Start going down that road. Start asking anybody that got involved in drugs and alcohol at the age of 11, 12, or 13. Most of the time it was because they didn't have a home structure and family that was taking care of them. And I thought, what if we could reach them? You say, Pastor, why are you telling us all of this? Because I'm looking to identify the fields that are around us. What about walking inside of a prison? What about walking inside of a nursing home? What about a group home somewhere? What about that person walking down the street? What about your family? What about your neighbors? What about your friends that you get together with? You say, oh, no, I wouldn't bring that up to my friends. I just saw a little tweet that came out, and it broke my heart about this young lady that uh, she said, I'm just putting it out there asking for prayer. She said, ever since I've given my life over to the Lord Jesus, she said, all my friends are just walking away from me. And I thought, you know, that is the natural thing. I told Miss Crystal, we were talking this week on a certain situation, and I said, listen, I said, we better be saturating some young people. And I mentioned a couple specifically, and I said, we better be surrounding and drawing them in and getting them involved. I said, because if not, I said, the people there around outside these four walls, I said, is going to draw them right back into the world. And I said, we need to make sure that we're doing our part. I'm just identifying the fields here, having an outward look. Listen, there may be areas that you lift up your eyes and you look and you say, hey, I've never thought about this, but we can go over here and be able to give the gospel to them. We can go over here and no one's sharing the gospel with them. An outward look and what Jesus is saying, hey, you went into that city, you bought meat, you bought lunch, and you came back out of there, and listen, they never once witnessed to anybody. And Jesus had to send that woman from the well. She left, went into the town, started witnessing about Jesus. They came out in groves. And I wondered this, and this is just reading between the lines with the disciples. I wonder if the disciples thought, hey, them Samaritans aren't going to listen to us. They're never going to come out and be able to hear Jesus. 
But as soon as someone went down and started inviting them, boy, they came out by the multitudes to be able to hear this man named Jesus. And I thought, I wonder who it is that we're around every week, every day of our lives, that if we would just open our mouths, if we would just lift up our eyes and be able to look and identify them as a field that God has put us in. Before we even started the church, one of the families, besides the Nagleys, it was the Fogg family that helped us be able to start the church. He sent me an article. It came out, I believe it was in July of 2013, sent me the article of a survey of churchgoers, and it said over 84% of those attending the church they are today was because of a personal invitation by someone else in that church. It wasn't because, I think it, all, it got all the way down to like 6%. When it came to the pastor, well, the pastor invited me to this church. I might have about 6% here. I'm looking over here at Chris and Troy and Josie, and I'm looking at a few more saying, hey, I might have given the personal invitation in a few of those. But other than that, it's word of mouth by the people in the church. And I thought, you know what it is? I said, it's other people lifting up their eyes and looking on the field saying, hey, why don't you come to church with me? You know, we had a wedding yesterday. They stood right here. You know why it was? Because Chris and Troy were outside their box and said, hey, you need to come to church with us. Yeah. And Bree ended up getting saved, baptized. They joined the church, and yesterday we were able to marry them. And boy, they were, just, they were as thankful and excited. I don't know how many people came up to us at the wedding and said, we are so thankful that you guys are in their lives. Lost people all around us. And I thought, let's identify the fields. Let's look around and say, hey, God, what field have you put me in? You're not in the same field I am. You're not sitting at drug court every Monday. You're not walking the streets. You're not there. But guess what? I'm not in your factory every week. I'm not in your circle of influence that you're around with every week, but you are. So identify the field that God has you in. I identify the field that God has me in. And we lift up our eyes and look. And I want to close with this. As we come down through, starting in verse number 36, I want you to see that it's an investment that returns. I'm not going to get into the financial situation of our country today and ask how your investments are doing, okay? (laughs) But can I say this? There's one in the Bible that always brings a return. And look what he said, starting in verse number 36. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit, look at this, unto life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And I thought, man, what a blessing. You say, I'm not seeing the results down here. Hey, listen, I just told someone on, uh, well, Brother Caleb and I were talking about it. And he said the greatest times of growth that we've seen in the church out there in Indiana is he said when we are just busy every place we can telling people about Jesus. And I said, that's what we found. I reached up on my shelf and I brought down an eight and a half by 11. That is a quote that's on there. Someone told me as we were starting the church, said, listen, you go up there and tell enough people about Jesus and Jesus will tell enough people about your church. 
He said, it's not the people that we knocked on their door this week. It's not the person maybe we gave the gospel track to at the gas station. But as we have an outward look, listen, God's going to take care of this place right here. And I firmly believe that. I have never seen in all my years, I have never seen a church shut down that was going after people. Never seen it. And I thought, you talk about an investment. There's a song, and I heard it sung by West Coast Baptist College, and it's simply entitled Faces. And they talked about getting to heaven, and then all of a sudden God said, turn around, and they turned around, and the chorus goes, that they saw the faces. And he was talking about all of those that they had invested in that we may not see it down here, but when we get up there, hey, that person we gave the gospel track to, maybe they'll be up there. We don't know. We trust the Holy Spirit of God to take care of it. But I thought it is an investment that gives returns. You say, what do you mean? I believe we invest in souls. It's the only thing that we can invest in that's going to last for eternity. I believe everything about it. Now listen, I'm all for having a nice building. I believe we ought to. I believe God's building ought to be one of the nicest buildings in town. I believe that. You say, well, we can't fix it up with all the marble and gold and everything. No, but we can keep it clean looking nice. We can keep the lawn mowed. We can keep the flowers growing. And boy, doesn't it look beautiful around here. And I'm thankful for it. I believe in building another building. If not, then listen, we wouldn't be heading that direction right now. I believe we ought to continue to step forward. But but what is the purpose of all of that? I've said this months ago. And I said, listen, the only reason for another building is so that we can keep doing what we're doing now, just be able to do more of it. More people. More souls. More people that are going to spend eternity with our Savior. Listen, it's an investment. You say, Pastor, what are we doing this for? What are you handing out a track for? Because you may be able to change the eternal destination of someone you come in contact with. Do you understand that's what we're involved in? (laughs) I do think about that. God's given us that privilege and that responsibility to invest in someone's soul for eternity. Man, I'm telling you, that thrills my soul. You say, Pastor, is it worth it? Boy, it sure is. It sure is. When I was able to stand up yesterday before they were cutting the cake and listen, in front of all of them, and I told them, I said, I'm not a good public speaker. They all laughed at that. Be able to stand up in front of all of them and say, listen, I remember the day they walked in. First, I told them I didn't trust Willie because he was a car salesman. (laughs) I was joking. I said, but I remember the day I said, Miss Bree sat down with Miss Crystal. And I said, I got the phone call afterwards that she just trusted Christ as her personal Savior. And I said, I remember those days. You say, Pastor, is it worth it down here? Boy, it sure is worth it down here. But can you imagine what it's going to be when we get to heaven? And we see all those that God's allowed us just because whether it be through missions, whether it be giving a gospel track out, sharing the gospel. Hey, they may not get saved today. Someone else may witness to them down the road. There's some that that sow. There's some that reap. But we know that God gives the increase. But the Bible says we're all going to rejoice together about that. And I said, Lord, I want us to have an outward look. 
I don't want it to all be about, hey, our, our church and, 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 and making sure that we have our little, someone prayed last night and said, God, I, I, I pray that it's not a, just a, a social group tomorrow when we come into church. That's what was prayed last night. I hope it's not just a, a social group and gathering. Hey, listen, God's allowed us to be able to be part of something a whole lot bigger. But it's not going to happen with us walking around with our heads hung low and not looking around at the fields that are there. I love to be able to look everywhere we can and say, hey, what's another avenue to be able to get the gospel to them? Now, the end result, that's where I'm going at. I want to get the gospel to them. I'm not a pragmatist. I'm not saying just do whatever it takes if you need to jump and bungee jump out of a helicopter or something. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about everywhere we can, I want to be able to get there. Give them the gospel. Give them the gospel. Give them the gospel. Make sure to tell them about Jesus. An outward look. Let me ask you this. How long has it been since you truly lifted up your eyes and looked on the fields? How many enjoy doing people watching? When's the last time you looked at him and said, that's a soul Jesus died for? Now, we look at him. I, so we were driving around the other day, and Ruth looked into a couple cars that were going by her, so we were at a stop sign or something, and uh, she said, they just look like they need some joy in their life. They just look like they need some happiness. Now, you'll have a hard time jumping out of your car, knocking on their window, giving them a gospel track. They might speed off rather quick on that. But what I'm saying, that's how we ought to be looking at everybody. That ought to be Jesus. Lift up our eyes and look, because here's what's happening. Premature dying all around us without Christ. Do you know in my life, in, in several cases, the consolation I've been able to have is at least they were saved and I'll see them again. But you know what's been taking place lately and we keep hearing it? They weren't saved. They weren't saved. This, this family member, this person's laying in a hospital. We're praying right now, Brother Andrew's uncle. Hey, God got him out of the hospital and he's back home. You know what we're praying for? Hey, that he'll acknowledge his need for Jesus and that he'll be saved. Because you know something? Any death is too soon without Jesus. And I'm praying God would allow us to be able to lift up our eyes and look on the fields. And it wouldn't just be at a certain time in our life, but it would be our life. That every day of the week as we're going through our regular daily duties, that we would be thinking about people and saying, hey, I'm stopping here. That's an opportunity for me to be able to give a gospel tract to someone. I'm going to be talking to this person over here, and I'm going to pray that God will open that door for me to be able to tell them about Jesus. I'm talking consciously thinking and asking God to be able to do that. That's going to happen when we lift up our eyes and have an outward look instead of an inward look. And say, God, would you allow us to be able to do that? It's going to be intentional. People aren't going to hear about Jesus by accident. We've got to identify the fields. You look around you and say, God, what field do you have me in that I can be telling people about Jesus? Some would say, well, I stay home all day with the kids. Well, what about when you go out to the field or the grocery store? What about when you go out to this field or that field and you be able to share the gospel? What about every area of our lives? What about thinking about that investment? There's those, I, I don't know, we've, we've preached. 
I don't know how many times around this world. And there's times I've preached, I haven't been able to talk to one person except for just the message. Wasn't able to go one-on-one afterwards. Wasn't able to get their name down. I'm talking, I was preaching on this side of the steel bars and they were on that side of the steel bars. First missions trip I ever took, I was over in the Philippines. We walked into this little jail and man, they were packed in there. Here I am, I'm a 20-year-old kid. I've never been outside the country and they literally packed that hallway. And they were standing up next to the bars and the cells on either side of it. Hallway was full. And that leader of the group patted me on the back and he said, we'll have Peter preach today. And I swallowed my heart back down into my chest. And I stood there and boy, to be able to see the tears start coming and be able to see souls start mouthing those words and start praying to the Lord. I wasn't able to talk to a one of them. I had to turn around. I had to leave. That pastor went back in there. I don't know what happened for the months and years afterwards. But can I say this? That was just an investment that day. And one of these days, I'm going to be standing in heaven and the Lord's going to say, here's the return on your investment. It's going to be intentional. It's got to be. We've got to identify and go after it and say, God, here's, here's the field you have me in and that's what I'm going after and God, would you allow me to be able to do that? And understand, and now listen, if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior, you're my field this morning. You're my field. If you've never trusted Christ, you don't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're a child of God and that you'll spend eternity with Jesus. Can I say this? The invitation is yours. For you to realize, hey, Jesus loves you. I'm not asking if you joined a church. I'm not asking if you grew up in church. I'm not asking if you did a bunch of good works. I'm saying take me to the time that you asked the Lord Jesus Christ and you called upon Him to be your Lord and Savior. That's the time. The Bible doesn't say for whosoever shall join the church. He says for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord realizing you're a sinner, realizing Jesus died, was buried, and rose again for you, and calling upon Him. That's the message we're taking to this world. That's what's going to make a difference. And if that's you this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, today's a great day to get that settled and know that you're a child of God. But for those of us that are saved, and listen, I believe it's the majority that's here today. You know that you're saved. You know that you're a child of God. I beseech you, Lift up your eyes. Lift up your eyes. Look at the fields. Lord, who is it that's around me that you'd say this week, I'm going to intentionally try to do something. Intentionally. 